My name is John, which means to be gracious. God knows me by name, and he loves me. My name is Carrie, which means great heart. God knows me my name, and he loves me. My name is Devin, which means worshiper of God. God knows me by name, and he loves me. My name is Luann, which means graceful warrior. God knows me by name, and he loves me. Good morning. My name is Gaylord, which means joyful. God knows me by name, and he loves me. He also knows each of you by your name, and he loves you today more than you can possibly comprehend. What's so important about your name? Recent research suggests that our names influence academic performance, our chosen profession, our investment choices, the state where we live, who we will marry, whether we're accepted into a particular school or hired by a specific company, and even the quality of our work in a group setting. Our names may even determine whether we give to disaster victims. According to one survey, if we share an initial from our name with the name of a hurricane, we're far more likely to donate to the relief fund. Believe it or not, in the Bible, people were often given names that illustrated or reinforced a dominant character trait. In fact, the biblical meaning of name is demonstrated character and integrity. Demonstrated character and integrity. So Jacob was born holding on to Esau's heel, his twin brother, and his name means holder of the heel or supplanter, one who takes the place of another because not once but twice he robbed Esau of his rights as the firstborn son. You might say Jacob was a real heel. Isaac means he laughs or will laugh because Abraham had a good belly laugh when he was given the news that Sarah, his elderly wife, would become pregnant with Isaac. And later on, when Sarah heard the same news, she laughed uncontrollably. I guess you could say Sarah had the last laugh. Folks, I, don't, I just copy these things from other people who have no sense of humor. <laughs> Finally, Jesus means God is salvation. Or more correctly, God rescues. Clearly, names are important to us and especially to God. In Isaiah chapter 43, verse 1, we read... But now, O Jacob, listen to the Lord who created you. 
O Israel, the one who formed you says, do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. Literally, you belong to me. Now, the Old Testament is largely a history of God's dealing with the people group that came from the line of Jacob, or as they would come to be known, Israel. So it's really important that we view Isaiah 43 first and foremost as a message to this nation. However, since the Old Testament was written for our instruction and to point us to Jesus, to point us to Jesus, God is longing to encourage us today as his dearly loved children who have been adopted into his family. The term Lord in this verse refers to God's personal name, Yahweh. It's only used when the author is talking about God's personal relationship with his people. It's really God's way of expressing that he is always available to and present with his people. So we could read this, but now, O Jacob, listen to the Lord who created you and always has been and always will be with you, the one who formed you. God is reminding the people of Israel that he created them both individually and as a nation. In fact, God partnered with your parents to create every single person in this room today. In Psalm 139, verses 13 through 16, God confirms his presence with us in our lives even before we're born. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. Dear friends, if God loves you so much today that every moment of your life is precious to him, that every day that we live was written in his book before we lived our very first day. Maybe we need to stop stressing about what's not in our control and recognize that in the good times of life and in the challenging times of life and every moment in between, he has a plan for you. In Isaiah 43, God says, don't be afraid, 
for I have ransomed you. The word ransom comes from the Hebrew ga'al, which means to recover ownership of something or someone by buying it back, to set free by paying a ransom, or to rescue and save. Hearing this word ga'al, the Israelites would have immediately recalled the story of the kinsman redeemer from the book of Ruth. A male relative who had the privilege and responsibility to act on behalf of a family member who was in danger or in need of being cleared from an accusation. Jesus is our great redeemer today. The one who has bought us back from the sentence of death, set us free from the charges brought against us by our sins and rescued us from a life cut off from God. He did all of this by giving his life, by pouring out his precious blood for you and for me. So let me ask you again, what are you losing sleep over? What keeps you awake at night? Is it your finances, your health, a relationship that is bringing you great pain, another situation that robs you of peace and joy and a sense of God's presence? God has every day and moment of your life in his hands. And he has taken care of our eternal destiny through Jesus Christ. So what do we really need to worry about today? All of the big questions have already been answered through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Do you sense the Lord calling you by name today? In Eastern culture, the phrase to call by name is a mark of special recognition and tenderness. We read these words about Jesus in John chapter 10. The one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep recognize his voice and they come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, and I lay down, I pour out my life for the sheep. My given name is Gaylord, and it identifies me as special, even unique. After all, how many Gaylords have you met in your life besides me? <laughs> Not too many. When those who know me well hear my name, Gaylord, you can ask anybody on staff about this. They immediately think about my dominant traits. 
such as incredibly good looks, <laughs> exceptional intelligence, extraordinary empathy for the hurting, and faith that can move mountains. And best of all, my most dominant characteristic, my unbelievable humility. <laughs> now, I also have a family or surname, Lemke, which connects me to my family of origin, just as your surname connects you to your family of origin. Most of you don't know that Lemke is an adopted name. Given to my father when he was taken in by a family in his Youngstown, Ohio neighborhood. My ancestral name isn't Lemke at all. It's Pamphilly. Wow, what a mouthful. Gaylord Anthony Pamphilly. Thank goodness for Lemke. When God adopted me into his forever family through my faith in Jesus, he also gave me a brand new adopted name, just as he has you. So let me introduce you this morning to Gaylord Anthony, Christ follower. And I am so honored to carry that name, so blessed to carry that name. In the story of Don Quixote, the delusional knight who jousts at windmills and escapes reality in a medieval fantasy world, there's a central character named Aldonza, a kitchen servant and prostitute. The moment that Don Quixote lays eyes on Aldonza, he calls out to her, you are my Dulcinea, and envisions her as a golden-haired, aristocratic young woman of incomparable loveliness for whom he will perform brave acts of chivalry. And although Aldonza pleads over and over again with Don Quixote to see her as she really is, despite her obvious flaws, he continues to visualize her as my Dulcinea, beautiful and pure. In time, Don Quixote's steadfast love changes Aldonza, and in the end, she actually comes to regard herself as the lovely, unspoiled, Dulcinea. That's just like God. In Romans chapter 4, verse 17, we're told that God specializes in giving life to the dead and calling into existence things that don't yet exist. That's what God does, that's his business, that's what he's about every moment. Like Don Quixote and Aldonza, God sees in you what you can't see in yourself. Despite your obvious flaws, 
He believes in you more today than you believe in yourself. And he is busy beginning to speak into existence, to call forth out of you things that you don't even see right now, but God sees them because he specializes in calling what is dead alive and what does not exist in our lives right now in the glorious existence. Over those places in your life that you view as hopelessly broken, dead and lifeless and beyond hope and beyond repair, here's what Jesus says. Here's what he's speaking over you today. I will give you crowns instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of your tears of grief, and clothes of praise. He's dressing you up today in clothes of praise for your spirit of heaviness and weakness. Dear friends, when God looks at you, he sees not where you are today. That may be a good place, or it may be a hopeless place, but God doesn't see you where you are today. He sees the place that he's bringing you to because he will never give up on you. He will never forsake you. He will never turn his back on you until you fulfill the glorious promise for which he created you. Eventually, we will all be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord so that he might display his wondrous glory through you. That's a high and holy calling, isn't it? That's what he's calling every one of you here today. Raise your vision, look up, and recognize that you're created for great things. When we're adopted into God's forever family through Jesus, we're no longer viewed as broken and soiled by sin. God sees us as a new creation, clean, brought into intimate relationship with him, and treated as though we never did it. Treated as though we never made that horrible decision. Treated as though we had never sinned. In short, we take on the name and the identity of a Christ follower. If Jesus is your savior today, God calls you by name. He calls you by your given name, saying you are my unique child. So special, listen to this, so special that I only created one of you in all the universe. There's only one. And that's why you matter so much to me. I care about every minute of your life, and I really care about where you spend your eternity. I long, I cry out for that to be with me. So when you were formed in your mother's womb, I saw you, I knew you, I guided you, and at just the right moment, I drew you to Jesus and gave you a new name with a new beginning, identity, and purpose, and I'm speaking 
God is speaking these words over each one of you right now. If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. God created you and redeemed you and brought you to himself and gave you a new name so that you could walk in the good works he created for you long ago. Can you sense God putting his arms around you in this moment and drawing you close and whispering to you, you are mine. You belong to me. In a March 2014 Psychology Today posting, Dr. Karen Hall stated what the Bible knew 2,000 years before she ever existed. Dr. Hall states that belongingness is a essential human need. It's just as important as the need for food and shelter. Feeling that we belong is the number one most important ingredient to seeing value in our lives and even to coping with those intensely painful emotions and events that come into all of our lives. Those who struggle with a sense of not belonging will experience loneliness that can be so intense, it's physically painful for them. So I pause for a moment to say to you, if you're here today, and you are here, and some of you are feeling that no one gets you No one really knows the real you, and if they did, they'd walk away in rejection. Or perhaps you feel that no one cares about you. You don't belong truly to anyone. Well, I have good news for you. A relationship with God, only made possible by Jesus, fully, completely, eternally satisfies our need to be known and to belong. When God declares that we belong to him, he means that we are permanently joined into God's family tree. We can't ever be cast out or removed from that tree. God has adopted us once and for all into his family. We did nothing to deserve becoming part of his forever family. It was God's free gift to us through Jesus. And here's the part I've been waiting for. Here's the very best part today. To be known and to belong is the antidote, it's the cure for all of our fears. You see, we can do nothing to get kicked out of God's family. 
God promises that nothing can separate any of us from the love that he lavishes on each and every member of his family. Belonging to God gives me an identity that flows from God's eternal, inexhaustible love for me and for you, not from any action I take to prove myself worthy of that love, and not from any action that you take to prove yourself unworthy of that love. Here's what our good, good Father is saying to us today through Isaiah chapter 43, verse one. Listen. My adopted children, who have all the rights of blood-born daughters and sons, listen to the one who formed you. Don't be afraid of anything, because through Jesus, I've bought you back from everything that separates us. I call you by name, which means that I know you intimately, personally, and eternally. You belong to me, and nothing can ever separate you from my love. In short, we have nothing to fear because we belong to God. And here's a bonus. To be known and to belong is the antidote, the cure for our insecurity. Author Jennifer Kostick asks, do you ever have days when you feel that if God were picking the teams, you'd be the last one he chose? Days when you feel like you failed him yet again and wonder if he's finally given up on you. Listen, I'm a pastor. I have been for many years. But I've had a lifelong struggle with insecurity to believe that God is really as good as he says he is. I catch myself feeling like a failure too often, like I could easily be replaced. Worse than that, I find myself measuring self-worth by my own abilities and strength. I too often forget that my identity flows from my totally secure relationship with Jesus and what he says about me. The same is true for every Christ follower in this room today. It's all about knowing who you are in Christ and believing that he knows you and he loves you despite your obvious flaws. What if we truly believed what he says about us? What if deep in our hearts we really believed in the truth that we are chosen, forgiven, free, fully known and accepted, greatly loved and highly valued, one of a kind, saved, a treasured masterpiece and a child of God? And as Pastor Dan would say, can I get an amen? What if instead of expecting ourselves to be good enough to win the battles we fight, instead we placed our trust in the fact that he is more than strong enough and has already won all of our battles for us? 
What if we viewed ourselves not as outsiders, struggling to keep it all together, but as beloved children of the king who knows already that we don't have it all together and yet loves us completely? What if our identity has nothing to do with anything we can do for ourselves, but everything to do with what he has already done for each one of us. So here's my challenge today. Let's stop seeing ourselves as inadequate, insignificant, and unworthy. Instead, Let's rest in God's grace, his unlimited favor over each one of us during the joyful and even the joyless seasons of life. Let's stop looking at ourselves as people who can be easily replaced. Instead, believe that you are a son or daughter of the most high God and that he won't walk away from you regardless of how badly you fail. In a few minutes, our prayer team is going to be up front to serve you, and some of you in this room need to come and connect for the first time with the God who says, I love you. I died for you to be your savior, and make that connection to be known and fully loved. Others of you who are already Christ followers need to reconnect with the God who says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. I'll never abandon you. Come and reconnect with my great love for you. This week, remind yourselves that no matter what this world screams at you or what you may feel when life turns upside down, You are fully known and loved by him. We want to thank you for watching and listening to our sermons online. And we hope that uh, you will be inspired to live more like Jesus through these. Please check out blackrock.org for more information about our church. Know that you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. And also uh, know that you can give uh, to BlackRock and to our ministry through PushPay, through our mobile app, and on our website. Your uh, donations and your support of our ministry allows us to have uh, these videos online and for us to impact our community.